Welcome back, everybody. Episode six of the Stank Focus podcast, joined by myself, Jimmy, and back again with my co-host, Rob Corrado. How are we doing, guys? It's great to be back. And the sixth episode of the Staying Focus podcast is yet again sponsored by Desi. Desi is the student-exclusive rideshare platform rapidly connecting students with transportation all over their college towns. Per certain insider information, Desi is about to go huge at select college campuses next semester, so stay focused. And today we're going to be talking about, we're going to go through the Irish Rundown, um, Cross national championship talk a little bit more conference realignment scenario potentially in the near future um some nhl news as we approach the stanley cup final and some nba the nba finals kick it off tonight and here we go all right let's hit it and we are back everybody and we are National champions. We are national champions. Notre Dame lacrosse and Coach Corgan took home their very first national championship on Memorial Day at the link in Philadelphia. I mean, Jimmy, I'm a little biased, but I think it was one of the best college games that's not football that I think I've ever seen, really. Yeah, let's um, describe – tell us a little bit about uh... – Tell me a little bit about the experience of just being at the stadium for a national championship game. Well, I think like it all goes back to the parking lot because, you know, at Notre Dame, we love the tailgate. Uh, doesn't say anything in the rules about, you know, not partying hard enough or like anything like that. But I mean, Notre Dame, they know how to throw a tailgate. I can tell you that for a fact. Uh, and the K lot in the link. It was absolutely packed with green. It was an Irish wear green event, so that made it 10 times better. And I think I actually saw, like, everybody I could have possibly seen on the East Coast from our sophomore class. Like, really, it was packed with families, tons of friends, tons of people. Like, I didn't even know. They're coming over offering me bacon, egg, and cheeses, drinks, stuff like that. The vibes were totally there. Um, I was super fortunate to, you know, be with the ASAP family the whole time. Shout out Tommy and shout out Sam to being a national champion. Shout out and Moose. Shout out Moose. Shout out S. But uh, overall, we just had a great time. And then when game time rolled around at about 1 o'clock, we went in. Uh, I was with my whole family, so it was a great event to experience with them. Um, also, of course, Memorial Day, they did a super amazing tribute to the, to the troops. They had a huge flag. Um said a couple words, but uh, the only thing they really missed, I think, was the flyover, but I'm asking for a little bit much there. But, um, yeah, I mean, besides from that, like, game experience, like, top-notch lacrosse. Like, that is the best lacrosse that you're ever going to see. Um, and I think that kind of all starts out with, like, a few key players that just being a lacrosse player and a lacrosse fan my whole life, um, really appreciating the game at such a high level something that I find just super interesting. I'm super thankful for that, you know, I find something like this and I really am so attached to something like this. So, I mean, again, starts off all with a few players. Number one, I gotta say goalie Liam Entman. He's the best. He's truly the best in the world. Um, we've made 
we've we've mentioned his name a few times, I think, on the pod. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, eighteen saves in the finals with all that weight on your shoulders. Uh, being a goalie, I am a goalie. It's no easy task, and I'm not just trying to say it to pat myself on the back. Um, they score a lot in lacrosse. Uh, you gotta have a short memory. Uh, really, really grueling position in terms of how fast that ball is coming, especially when that ball hits you. It's uh not painless for a fact, but uh, yeah, Liam really held it down. That's like the only way you could say he held it down, made a ton of saves that you're quote unquote, not supposed to make. Uh, He ran the, he like ran the defense very well. He's very active. He clears the ball like with like force, like he knows how to get out. He looks up off shots and stuff like that. Super fast. I think that's what really helped us. Um, A lot of the Notre Dame D middies are really bailed out by Liam and stuff like that, especially like, uh, some of the polls, like getting topside, for example, like he's uh, Liam made a few insane saves off Brendan O'Neill, right? Like Brendan O'Neill, Twerton finalist right now, alongside um, Pat Cavanaugh. He made some saves that he wasn't supposed to make. I'll mention it again. Wasn't but, it um, two? Um, you said he had 18 saves. If I remember correctly, that was his highest save percentage of the season. I think it was. I think it's in the national championship. In the national championship, I mean, he also. I think he recorded double. Like, what is it? I think like double digit saves yeah. for the past. I don't know, like every game. I think something pretty damn close every to that. Every game ever. Every, every game he's ever played for Notre Dame. <laughs> but um, it is crazy. Yeah, the defense is Notre Dame's defense. You could tell that that was like that's their strong suit. I mean. Six to one and a half, and it felt like Duke was just totally bottled, like they couldn't do anything. Yeah, um, obviously a little bit of a slower start out of the the break, but I mean, game of runs. So yeah, I mean, they looked like honestly, like the first face off. Um, I was scared because when a team goes down off the first face and just puts yeah. one right in, like right past you. Like, I think, um, I know as soon as, like, I sat down and, like, the opening face-off and I saw, like, Garrett Ledman or Liedman, I forgot how you say his name. He's one of the pole, uh, not pole, he's number one. He's a midi for Duke. He, like, got the ball. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy's going to actually create, like, our life hell. And I'm pretty sure he, like, literally ran down, put one by into him. And I was like, oh, fuck me. Like, this game's going to suck. Like, they're going to do this all over. That was kind of what I felt like Notre Dame's face-off. Um, it's one face-off guy, right? Uh, yeah, it's Michael Lynch, I think. Yeah, and it felt like in like the games that I went to also throughout the year, uh, especially the first UVA game mm-hmm. at Arlotta, it just felt like we were kind of outmatched on the, the face-off, especially against UVA. So that's why in the semi against UVA, I was as like – they, it was thir- that was thirteen twelve, right? Yeah, overtime win. Yeah, and as they tied it at the end with like thirty ish seconds left, or like in the last minute, I I was worried that UVA was was gonna win the face off, go right down and score right before the buzzer. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, again, playing lacrosse my whole life, I've had like plenty of really great face off guys and. Mm-hmm. Really, it's like, like one of the most not so great faceoff guys. It's really possession is the most important thing yeah. in lacrosse. I think Michael did a good job considering. I think the Duke faceoff guy was number one. 
Really? Uh, yeah, I think he was like the number one guy. Uh, that makes sense because they were number one. Yeah, so they were like – I mean both both guys did pretty well. I think face-offs were pretty split. One thing that I was super pissed about being at the game and like, seeing firsthand was the amount of holding that they weren't calling at the face-off S- X. Mm-hmm. And for people that don't really know what that is, it's basically like when the face-off guys would get like wrapped up in, be- in between each other or something like that. And then one guy will like try to let go, and then he can't let go, and that's usually a holding, and it usually should go the other way. I think there were at least like six missed calls. I know our whole section was going nuts over there. They that. were all and on I, Duke, obviously. And I think they were actually like all on Duke, like every <laughs> single one, and it was unreal. But there wasn't a lot of um, face-off play that was directly just like pinch popping out. It was a lot of ground ball stuff, and we got to give some yeah. credit to Notre Dame LSMs there. Um, they really came in clutch, especially in the semifinal game with a couple crucial GBs. And uh, yeah, and then I think um, ground balls. Oh, duh. Uh, yeah, ground balls. Uh, but there was that I one. Think... There was that one point in the in the second half when they're like late in the second half when it felt like the ball was on the ground forever and like yeah, all the, literally. There's a huge pile and everyone was running in trying to. They were kicking it everywhere and it was, felt it brought me back to my days of when I was a when I was a lax bro. You're a lax bro in middle school, but... yeah. Middle school Jimmy. I was like that. Cite I was that. the oh best. I was, see. I was the best attack in the state of Michigan. I scored uh, seven goals in one game. For Colbert Military Summer Camp? No. Uh, <laughs> the Bloomfield Blackhawks. Oh, Bloomfield back. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. You're pretty pretty good. Are they, are they in the same league as uh, Brother Rice by chance? No, no, no. Oh, they're not. Okay. Orchard Lake St. Mary's is, though. Oh really? Huh. Yeah, Must be pretty out. easy playing Brother Rice, honestly. Yeah, that's a yeah, not it's at just... all. But unless you're Culver Military again. <laughs> yeah, but um, go back to the Notre Dame stuff. I think there was a really crucial mashup between Chris Fake, graduate student who uh, played at Yale and I'm pretty sure won a national championship before. Yeah, they and Brendan O'Neill, like that matchup was. Insane to watch because I think in the first quarter there was a pretty crucial takeaway that I think kind of like gave Notre Dame a ton of momentum on the defensive front. Uh, it was basically like a pick and roll, but Chris Fake gets under Brendan O'Neill's bottom hand, so he kind of like throws, but then like kind of throws off, but then also off the pick and roll. Notre Dame was so physical that Chris Fake like literally ran through the pick and knocked the kid over, and the play was drawn up that. Just Brendan doesn't even look, and he throws it back. But um, there was no one there, and I think that just honestly changed mm-hmm. a ton. It was super small, but I remember that was like the first time everyone got up. Like the all like the guys on the bench were pretty much like on the field because of how hype they were. I know the goalies on the end were going absolutely wild. Shout out to the goalie squad. Yeah. What was that? Um, um, there was one point in the game that was. Crazy, but keep going. Yeah, I know. Um, especially on Dukes, actually on Dukes. Uh, and I know the other keeper. Uh, what's his name? William Helm, I think. Will Helm. I'm like ninety percent sure, but he had like an absolutely yeah. William Helm. He had like. A couple absolutely like unreal saves. I know like on that BTB shot, I think that was from Brian Tevlin. It was like the skip around and then um Tevlin caught it and just like 
whipped behind the back. And I think it might, I don't know if it was a total guess or if it just like insane ball tracking, but like Helm stuffed him, sent it down the other way, and I'm 90% sure they scored. And I know a lot of Notre Dame's goals came from that transition stuff. Uh, I know, especially in the second half. But um, yeah, if there's anything else, it's really. Um, so I know that, uh, I mean, obviously, being a national champion is pretty sick. But if you had to choose, mm-hmm. would you, because you're a big lacrosse guy, if you had to choose, would you rather Notre Dame win the national championship in lacrosse or football? Oh, boy. Like, that's like a loaded question. Because, I mean, like, I've, I watch Notre Dame lacrosse just as much as I watch Notre Dame football every game. So. Oh boy. I think for like the city of South Bend and more the student body and the alumni, it makes it probably a little bit more beneficial to have the Notre Dame football team win just out of pure mass. But I mean, I hope we could experience a football national championship. Mm-hmm. But the lacrosse experience was like pretty great. So I can't compare the two like one to top the other but um i'd probably i don't know if i can even answer it honestly i think it's more like a 50 50 split just you know 50 50 being like i'm not that much of like a football connoisseur and like yeah a deep understander you know you're a lax bro i'm a lax bro and i love the birds (laughs) and that says enough about me there but um yeah i think i i gotta say i'm just like split but I think you're uh, – to shoot that question right back at you. I think your answer is going to be pretty pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah, what would I, it be? I'd say uh, football. Football? Why, yeah, why is that? Because ball is life. Yeah, but I thought you don't know that much about ball. This again? I mean, I know nope, a lot nope. about ball. Nope. Because, I mean, I just talked for – 10 minutes straight about ball. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, my, I don't know. Um, my dad was pretty fired up about the lacrosse. He's a big lax guy. Cause he was the, uh, the manager with under the head manager under Corrigan when he was at Notre Dame. So he was pretty fired up. One of Corrigan's like, what, yeah, like first years. No, like the head manager. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, uh, okay. I feel like it was like, because he was hired, I think, in 89, and my dad graduated in 97. So oh, wow. that would put him, like, eight or nine season. Yeah. You have to be – like, now I'm kind of putting in perspective. you got to be crazy to keep on going back and Bro, again and again and again and again for a national championship to be doing it that long. Like, that is unreal. Like, it is crazy because I remember, like, um, when I was a young kid, and they, the latch team would come up here and play in like Ann Arbor or, uh, yeah, Ann Arbor. Uh, we went down one time and um, hung out with Corgan a bit, and it, that was like ten years ago. Yeah, more than that, maybe. It's just crazy, like how long he's been there, and it's his only. Like, I could have sworn that they had won something. I know, I, like. I did not. There I did not know going in that they had never won. 
Like what? When did they get there? Like 2010, 2012, 2014 or something like that? Did they get there with Perkovic and the older Kavanaugh? Did they lose? I think they they might have and they lost to Duke. I'm not sure. I know they lost. I know they lost to Duke. I know they had also lost to Duke like five times. Like they always get eliminated by Duke. So stick the course, children. Stick Duke doesn't know the Irish anymore. But um oh, another cool thing. In the parking lot after the game when everyone was tailgating again, you know, after oh, the W. Yeah. Um like the players carried Coach Corrigan's wife through really? a crowd of people. Literally like she was the Pope, like coming in, like it was unreal. Like That's so like a little like older woman, like so funny. But um yeah, it was nice. All the players came down after the game for uh the post game tailgate. Uh yeah, you got to see everybody. Yeah, you could just truly see like the emotion in their face with their national championship hats and their uh, piece of the goal tied in their uh, like tied around their ears and stuff like that. So, yeah, truly an amazing experience. But um, yeah, I'm sad you didn't make the trek all the way from uh, Detroit, you know, to come see it. So, kind of disappointed in your uh, Notre Dame. I know. I'm actually surprised my dad didn't want to go. Yeah, I mean, did your dad play lacrosse at all? My dad actually uh, played in one game at Notre Dame. Did he actually? Yeah. Got the suit up? He got it. He got the suit up for one game against Ohio State, and he did play. He said he it actually? was. He said it was um, a blowout, and that's the only reason he got to play. But he did play, <laughs> which is crazy. Position. Yeah, what position? I don't know. That is crazy I'll, that we got to put on the stuff. Yeah. There has to be a picture of him with the stuff on. Yeah, he told me um, he took a picture, but he doesn't have the picture. He never got the picture, but there is a picture out there. There's a picture out there. Yeah. So <laughs> if anyone's a connoisseur in finding Notre James's what, – what year did he graduate? 89? 97. No, oh no, ninety seven. That's when Corey. Yeah, so Corey got hired, yeah, Corey got hired. So, yeah, so ninety seven. Damn, our parents are old. But um, oh my god, yeah. If anyone has a nineteen ninety seven picture of Notre James, gotta be mugging it at Ohio State. It's gotta be somewhere. But already, well, all right. That's enough for cross national champs. Still champs, champs baby. Um, yeah, still champs. Still champs. So. Moving on to the next part of the Irish rundown, as we like to call it. Um, I read a tweet today from uh, Brett McMurphy, who's a college football reporter for Action Network. Um, He tweeted that the AAU, which is um, known as the Association of American Universities. Interesting. Not, not the like Association basketball. No. of American Universities uh, who contribute to scientific progress, economic development, security, and well-being um, just accepted four new members today, which are Arizona State, Miami, University of South Florida, and Notre Dame. Which obviously doesn't sound very appealing, but with the topic of conference realignment that I talked about in the last one with the potentially the disband of the ACC 
in the coming years and super conferences and stuff like that. Um, this is significant because the Big Ten ex- only accepts new members if they're part of this AAU. So could we see Notre Dame use this membership in the AAU as a way to join the Big Ten? Potentially, they're already in the Big Ten for hockey. Yeah, that's interesting because I feel like hockey's a big enough sport, especially to compare to football in the sense of having like these prerequisites in order to join, right? Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't you feel that way? Yes. Huh. So that's kind of interesting because obviously, if there are going to be super conferences, it'll probably be the SEC where you're seeing Oklahoma and Texas move from the Big 12 to the SEC and the Big 10, where you're seeing teams from the Pac-12, like UCLA and USC, and now even potentially Arizona State, also from the Pac-12, could move to the Big 10. And obviously Notre Dame is more north than the SEC. So if at one point they needed to join a conference, this would kind of give them the ability to join the Big 10 based on how they select or like they accept schools and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think it's honestly like, I think it might be time. It's like, you know, it's really nice to kind of like make your own schedule being FBS independent and that, yeah, I mean, it is nice, but. But like if if the conference, if there are super conferences and the conferences get so big, like I don't really see a downside of not because I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I understand it now. Yeah. If Notre Dame goes now, yeah, it's like I, I feel like there like would have to be recruiting, especially right. I feel like Notre Dame will only ever join a conference if there are two distinct super conferences, and that is like what everyone's doing. It's like for the power, like the Power Five, like yeah. if there are two distinct super conferences taking over the Power Five. Yeah, but like Notre Dame everything. is Notre Dame's never one to follow though. Like when you think about it. Like, yeah, when has like, Notre Dame, like, ever followed something? But it's, like, they have, like, the, the Notre Dame rules now because they're independent for, like, New Year's Six Bowls. Like, oh, in this New Year's Six Bowl, the bids come from the second-place team in the Big Ten. So, which usually the Rose Bowl because the winner of the Big Ten usually goes to the playoff. Uh, so that would be second-place team in the Big Ten. Or if not qualified, like if like a eight and four Wisconsin, then they could that's, they that's could generous. throw, you know, like bowls like that where they can, like the Orange Bowl I think is one, um, where it's like this second or third place team in the ACC or Notre Dame. Okay, if qualified, so like if Notre Dame was like nine and three probably not going to be in it like this year but yeah if they were to maybe say screw that like join like join a conference then i think they'd probably do it yeah just because then the only you know i mean at the end of the day you do want to win the national championship and i feel like the ncaa could change rules that would hurt notre dame to not be in a conference but yeah they're fine where they are now yeah i think I think they are fine, honestly, where they are. Um, 
I mean, I just think about like in terms of recruiting, like Notre Dame joins you earlier rather than later. I feel like wanting to play at a Big Ten school has like a little bit uh, more like like application of pressure, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, like I could play Big Ten football versus FBS independent. But granted, Notre Dame's Notre Dame, so it's a difference. But like, let's say, for example, what's like an FBS independent school? Um, Division one in football. Like, yeah, BYU. Liberty. Like, yeah, let's just say, let's say BYU, for example. Like, would you rather play Penn State football or BYU football? Penn, would you rather play in the Big Ten? Or would you rather play independent at BYU? Like, no direct anything like that. Um, like, nothing, like, out of uh, – I'm not even trying to say, like, nothing, like, directly trying to, like, be mean to the – BYU. Like, like, people at BYU, but, like, come on. Yeah. like I mean, yeah. I think especially to, like – Notre Dame can now right now they can pick and choose who they want to play and stuff like that. Mm. But I'd be all for I'd honestly be all for joining the Big Ten now if they threw us in the West. The West is awful, <laughs> and you could still play teams like Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State every year. Not that Michigan State's very good now, but big name. <laughs> and you could play in the West where. You'd play Northwestern, Purdue, Minnesota, Nebraska, teams that just aren't good. And yeah. you, when you, you'd probably be playing. You'd get the Big Ten brand. And I know the Big Ten are playing some games now on Peacock and stuff, which will be interesting to see if Notre Dame, like how that works with Notre Dame being NBC because NBC owns Peacock. Like that's their mm-hmm. service. So, um, I would join the West. I'm I've kind of given up on the ACC. I thought they would always eventually join the ACC, but with the way things are going, I don't think the ACC will be around for very much longer. <laughs> so, I mean, dude, yeah. if we can if we can join the West, we'll be in the Big Ten championship every year with a chance to go to the playoff every single year. It's true, literally. Oh boy, oh god, that'd be so cool. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. I mean, that would be very nice. Now, probably if they joined, would they fix the way that that looks? Would they move Michigan State over or stuff like, like realign the yeah, Big Ten? Bunch of real. They probably should, realigning. but I don't know. It'd be interesting. Yeah, it'd be cool. I, mean, I think it'd be cool. It'd be cool. Like it would be cool. But like, I mean, like I, w- it's I wish also- I could have seen AAC, uh, not AAC, ACC thing on our jersey. I think it would just look cool and like the it was. Want, but I mean, our. Yeah, our senior year of high school, we had the ACC patch. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows? I do deep down inside right now when I kind of like not being in the conference just to, like, prove that it is not needed. And obviously, like, the school doesn't need it because the money they get from NBC is just as much that they would get from the Big Ten. Yeah having a TV deal with the conference. So why worry about all that other stuff when you can just make all this money and be independent, play who you want, 
stuff like that. Yeah. And then maybe cool. in hindsight, Notre Dame will just be Notre Dame and they're going to yeah. do what they want. Like they don't follow. So. But I feel I like mean, eventually it will. Happen. Eventually. The way, eventually they're going to end up following. Yeah. So, the way things are trending, it's probably, it's looking more than ever. Like it will be needed. Mm-hmm. You know? And to my professional opinion, and I'm throwing air quotes around professional because I'm not a professional. I think if they join, they're going to be the last team to really join. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I agree. Because, like, especially if they start opening up, like, well, I guess Cincinnati and schools like that size and Memphis and Houston, they just joined the Big 12. But, like, out of the big name schools, yeah, I think Notre Dame will be last. Because just to, again, just to stick it, like, yeah, we can do it without it. You know, we can win. We can recruit. We can make money without it. Yeah, exactly. But um, but, do you yeah. have anything else on Notre Dame? Because I, I think that's like all Notre Dame. Mm, no, like I just I know. I'm just honestly just looking forward to the Ohio State game because um, I know Notre Dame's going to win that. So I'm not. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, my futures bet also says that they're going to win that. So it's going to be good. It'll be good. But yeah, that about wraps it up for the Irish rundown. Um, nice. Tonight, uh, do a little short segment on the NBA Finals, which start tonight. Um, got the Heat and the Nuggets. The Heat uh, went up 3 0 on Boston. Uh, looked like they were going to sweep, they were looking good. Boston wins three in a row. Heat take game seven. In Boston, pretty surprising, you know. Yeah, I mean, they got hey, the Jason, heat culture, the mad heat magic, you know. Jason Tatum said he was never scared, and I was like, "Huh?" Oh. Like, I oh, know I'm not nervous. I'm not nervous. Whatever. You sure about right, that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You sure you're not that nervous? Because I'd be pretty damn nervous. So let's Heat Nuggets. Obviously, I'm very excited for these finals because of just the way that the teams that are in it play. It's not selfish basketball. It's team basketball. And both of these teams are very fun to watch because they play team basketball. And it's like, it's reassuring watching basketball. And it's not just like superstars ISOing every play. Like, this yeah. is team basketball. This is the basketball that everyone knows and loves. And it's in the finals this year. Although it's not huge name brands, I think it'll be really exciting. And I hope it's a long series. But I do definitely think there's a chance that the Nuggets win pretty quickly. See, I'm going to have to say that the Nuggets aren't going to win pretty quickly because I think the Heat are going to win because A, they're grinders, and B, Ben Reifschneider likes the Nuggets, Uh, and he was on the downfall of my Sixers the whole time. So I'm going to – basically, I'm not shouting out Ben Reifschneider, but I'm just – I'm just saying you're wrong, and it's gonna be a shame when the Nuggets lose. And so you've got what Heat and <laughs> yeah, probably Heat and Foe. Heat and four. Yeah, don't matter to me. Heat and Foe. It's gonna be crazy. Trust, trust, believe me. I know okay. what I'm talking about. All right, all right. And what do you say? What about you? Um, I'm gonna say Nuggets and. 
part of me wants to say four. But I'm going to say five because I think the Heat will take one at home in front of the home crowd, I think. And, I mean, I, I feel like the Heat, like, they're good. And they've beaten a lot of really good teams with the Bucks, the Celtics, the Knicks. But, yeah, I think, I don't know, dude. I think the Nuggets are really, really, really good. And Jokic is damn near unstoppable. So I think uh, I'm going to go Nuggets in five. Nuggets in five. Well, you heard it here first. I know my prediction's right because I think Jimmy Buckets is going to actually splash all over the Nuggets, whatever type of, type of name that is. Yeah, your gold rush, whatever. Nuggets yeah. always does a goofy name. So The Nuggets. Yeah, I'm going to go Nuggets in five. It's yep, going to be crazy. Five. It's going to be crazy, too, when the Nuggets win tonight and your prediction's already done. <sighs> That's going to be crazy. You should have just – we can put some money on it. How about that? No, I don't endorse. <laughs> no, you don't endorse it. Yeah, you're right. I don't endorse it either. Um, also, NBA snippet: both of our teams, the Pistons and the Sorry Seventy Sixers, hired new coaches this week. That's um, true. It's exciting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Pistons actually gave Monty Williams, the former coach of the year and coach of the Suns. The high, biggest coaching contract in NBA history, which is a little bit worrisome, but I don't care how our billionaire owner spends his money. So if that's what he wants to do, that's fine. It's not money that would go towards the players. I'm not worried about that. So hopefully yeah, we see a jump there. I think it's a good hire. Um, in his first year in Phoenix, he took a 19-win Phoenix team from 19 wins to 34 wins. So I'm expecting a similar jump in Detroit. That'll be exciting. Um and obviously in Philly, took Nick Nurse, also a coach of the year, NBA champion. Um, uh, actually beating the, the Sixers. Yeah, re- replacing yeah. Doc, but he actually beat the Sixers. What was that, in 2018, 2019? 2019. 2019 with um, Kawhi's like, four-step yeah. carry, run into the corner, throw up. One of the best oh, bounce, ever. bounce, bounce. Yeah, probably um, – biggest lack of officiation in the history of the NBA, but sure, you can call it a buzzer beater if you really want to. It was a buzzer beater. Yeah, yeah, sure. sure but that'll be interesting to see if the Sixers ever make it past the second round. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure your Pistons are going to do great. Well, I just want a couple more wins, man. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's all you want. But, um, if we're actually focusing on the real sport here, sport that more people should be paying attention to, it has to be the cup final. <laughs> NHL playoff hockey is truly the greatest thing in the world. And have I been paying attention to it? Not as much as I should have, yeah. But will I start paying attention now? Of course. Because we have the Panthers and the Knights in, honestly, not that much of a matchup, if I'm really being honest. Like, yeah, VGK, you know to this position? VGK in four. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's an awful prediction. But um, <laughs> it's just pretty funny because the Panthers took down the Bruins in the first round, Leafs in the second round. Rest in peace to my Leafs. I'm a Flyers fan at heart, but I wanted to see them go far. And the Canes. And first of all, that's an unreal line to take. Like I feel like that's going to be the hardest line in all of the NHL of teams to be in the playoffs, correct me if I'm wrong. 
but um, accompanied by that, Sergey Bobrovsky, Flyers product, you know, played for a couple of years, playing his best hockey ever, stopping 96% of shots in the Eastern Conference Final. That is absurd. I think it's more like 97. I think it was like 96.6%. That is raw. But his playoff hockey, goaltending is quite literally everything. I know that's like the golden rule and probably something that everyone has heard every single time from like a no-name podcaster like me. But guess what? I'm going to say it. Uh, and then we go more on the offensive. Matthew Tuchuk is literally him. Timothy, that guy. He scored three game-winning goals in the conference final alone. Yeah. Like, you need goal scores, obviously. And this is just, like, continuing my case for the Panthers about how they're going to win. And then, accompanied by that on the other end, in the defensive front, besides from Bob, they have the best penalty kill in the playoffs at 84%. People don't score on Bob, and they just don't score in general, especially on the power play. And then you have... uh, the Knights at 60%, ranking them at like 14 out of 16 for their kill. So I think that's huge. But also I know that the Knights, they don't have a ton of uh, – what's it called, right? They don't have a ton of penalties. Something like that. Yeah, the Knights yeah. Don't, don't commit a lot of penalties. I mean, Jimmy's a Knights stan. But after I just threw out those like ridiculous statistics right there, I just, I just don't know if he's going to be able to logic with me. All right, but like – Obviously, the Panthers are on a bit of a heater. Um, Bobrovsky's playing ridiculously well. They've beaten – they've been underdogs in every series and won every single one. But, like, how long does this – is it truly going to last? Like, Yes. I don't know. I just yeah. feel like the team that goes on this sort of miracle run always kind of flames out in the end. So then so I've, let's just put that into perspective real quick. You just said the team that goes on the miracle run will flame out in the end. Didn't Notre Dame go on the miracle run? Like they weren't supposed to beat UVA. I had friends that played Division One lacrosse saying that no one's beating UVA. No one's touching UVA. UVA is the best defense. Connor Schellenberg is the best lacrosse player ever. But yeah, look at that. Notre Dame wipes him in OT. Notre Dame gets destroyed yeah. by Duke every time they're in the playoffs. And boom, Notre Dame switches up to Duke. So, you know, why not the Panthers? Why not ND? I mean, yeah, I, I just I like VGK. You just like VGK? Why? Like, why do you like the Knights so much? Because the Red Wings are, have just been phenomenal over the past five years. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of just also like I'm very uh, skeptical about a lot of things, and if I do stand corrected, um, what are the the trophies that you get when you win your conference, you're not supposed to touch it because it's a curse. Yeah. Panthers touched it and VGK didn't. So that means VGK is going to win. Okay. And then what is it? What's your, uh, what's your uh, series? Um, VGK in six. Yeah. That's crazy. Panthers in foe. Uh, you're going to be disappointed. I'm not going to be disappointed. Why don't I write to both of them? What's going to happen? If both the Heat and the Panthers sweep, um, I guess you just know more ball than me. Yeah, then you can admit that Rob Crowder knows more ball than Jimmy yeah, Collins. I'll admit that. If both the Heat and the Panthers sweep, I'll admit that you know ball better than I do. Okay. 
I think it's a pretty fair bet. <laughs> well, I know the viewers know the truth that I already know more ball, but don't look at me like that. <laughs> but I'm I'm sure um, I won't have to worry about that after tonight when the Nuggets win. Okay. All right. I'll hold you to it then. Okay. Deal. Okay. Deal. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. All righty. Well, that's about all we got for you today. That's Anything kind, else? Kind of all we had. No, I mean, um, just a quick little rundown. Heat and foe. Panthers and foe. Beach game six. Irish are basically. The Irish are basically the Panthers in this situation, right? The team that's coming up from the trenches, even though they were good all year, they have this. Uh, they were just having this weight on their shoulders from not being called last year to now. So that proves people wrong. And the Panthers haven't proved a lot of people wrong in a while. So I really think this is their year. But we'll see tomorrow night as I we'll prove, see, man. You know, more ball than Jimmy. Yeah, we'll see about that one. Yeah, we'll see. But that kind of wraps it up. But um, Episode 6. Episode Decent. 6 is, is done. But thank you, everyone, for listening. And... Yeah, I hope you stay tuned for episode seven coming out soon. I'll talk to you guys in the next one. All right, peace. peace.